Blog Talk Radio. of Lives in the Balance here in snowy Portland, Maine. This is Dr. Ross Green coming to you with another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Welcome to today's program. This is going to be our last program of 2013. Um, We're not going to have a program uh, two days before Christmas, and we're not going to have a program two days before New Year's Day. And so this is it. For 2013, don't worry, we'll be back in 2014, and of course, we'll kick off 2014 with the Parents Panel, which has always been and still is my favorite program of the month, but uh, this is a great day to call in if you have questions, comments, whatever, 347-994-2981 is the number. If you want to call in, Um, and I want to welcome new listeners from England, spoke for the first time in England last week, and uh, had about 350 people learning all about the model, parents, educators, mental health professionals, staff, and um, Well, we've got to make sure it happens across the big pond as well. Already some great momentum going in uh, Sweden, Finland, Norway, Denmark. We're getting there in Holland. Um, Things are going to take off in England. I was visiting um, a few schools there and a juvenile detention center there. And um, everybody there wanted to know if things over there were dramatically different than, from the way things are here in the United States. And um, my conclusion, not especially, not, not when it comes to behaviorally challenging kids. When it comes to behaviorally challenging kids, we've all got a long way to go. And, of course, that's why there is this radio program, because we've all got a long way to go. So welcome to our new listeners from England. I know from first hand report that we have listeners in all of those other countries that I named. Um, Hopefully by 2014 we'll have some in Australia too. I'm speaking there next year. Got to get this show on the road. I'm not getting any younger. And of course the good news is that there's lots of people who are carrying in the ball for the model besides me in lots of different places, North America included. no calls yet, so I'm going to head to the uh, email where we've got quite a few that have stacked up. And there's one in particular that I wanted to kick off with here today. Let's see if I have this one. Dr. Green, I'd like you to ask your opinion on a child, mine, a boy, 13, who is triggered by school and all mention of schoolwork. Right now he is on homebound instruction because he can't handle the sensory input of the classroom. And we haven't found a place that he can tolerate. I want to ask you, how important do you think it is to keep looking? 
He's doing only minimal work with the homebound instructor, hates it, especially hates reading, has dyslexia, which the school isn't addressing. I'm a single mom, and I am exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally, and financially. When my son is home out of the school district and I'm homeschooling, which means no formal structure to the day, no worksheets, etc., only reading for information such as instructions, etc., then he's much better. Since we've gone back to the district and implemented a daily two-hour teacher, he has gotten so much worse and back to being aggressive during rages, which was something I thought was in the past. I guess my question is, when do I stop and just let him be what he is? I don't know that he will ever be able to tolerate school or a teacher. Or do I plow ahead, my fear being that he'll wind up in a residential treatment facility in the name of getting an education? I'll add that he is bright, tests awfully, mechanically gifted, lots of learning disabilities, an alphabet soup of diagnoses, not medicated. He refuses to take any more meds, bad side effects. He's a delightful boy, completely at the mercy of his central nervous system, thinks he's retarded, no friends, lots of self-loathing. Thank you for your perspective. Well, thank you for writing. And yes, it does sound like you have your hands full. And what I mean by hands full, different people mean different things by hands full. Um, I don't mean the number of psychiatric diagnoses he has, although that's an indicator of the sheer number of challenge, the diversity of the challenging behaviors he exhibits. That's what a lot of psychiatric diagnoses are likely to tell you. Um, hands full can mean, well, you've got your hands full. You've got a very behaviorally challenging son at home. You're trying to do it on your own. You've gotten there not by necessarily choice from what I'm reading, but because um, nothing else seems to be working. Um, now let me refine our definition of hands full. Sounds like you've got a boy with a lot of lagging skills and a lot of unsolved problems. And that is our preferred definition of hands full, because then it actually gives us something that we can work on. First, the lagging skills tell us who he is, what he's got going on, what's getting in his way. The unsolved problems tell us when those lagging skills are getting in, a way, in the way, what demands, what expectations is he having difficulty meeting. So that's why our usual starting place when we want to get organized, feel a little bit less overwhelmed, feel like we know what we're working on, and especially, um, well, I forgot what I was going to say, especially. It must have been important, but it has slipped my mind. I'm still a little jet-lagged here. I should warn you, there may be a lot of, well, hopefully not too many, a lot of sentences today that end without me finishing them. Um, I think I'm still on England time if I ever really made the transition over. It's 4 p.m. there right now. It's 11 a.m. here in the States. And, um, well, the first few people I've met with this morning noticed that I was not completing sentences this morning. So um, I'm either very physically ill and doesn't really seem that way, or I'm still a little jet-lagged. Um, 
the unsolved problems let us know what it is that we can start working on and prioritize. So maybe, just maybe, we can start a l to feel a little bit less overwhelmed. And here's the interesting thing. The usual starting point being the LSUP. I would, as a place to start, want to know if you've completed the LSUP yet. want to help you feel a little less overwhelmed. Um, and no, for better or worse, you're not going to get a recommendation out of me um, because, um, well, first of all, I would never give up, so you're not going to have to worry about me saying that. My problem is I need info. Ah, that's what I was going to say on especially. It is getting the unsolved problems down especially helps us gather information from the child so that we can figure out what's getting in his way. And that is what I don't know yet from your email here. I got it. There's a lot of um, things that are getting in the way of him being a productive student. It sounds like there's some sensory stuff going on um, that makes the classroom difficult, but even with the sensory stuff going on, even when the sensory stuff is removed, he's got some other stuff going on that's making it hard for him to learn. Each thing that he's having difficulty doing that people are expecting that he do is an unsolved problem. We've got to clarify what's getting in his way on each of them. And what we'll do is prioritize. We'll make a list of the ones that are our highest priorities. We'll pick three of them, and we'll start inquiring with him about what's going on on each of those, because we really need to know. We need to know what's getting in his way. So I get it. He's having difficulty on all of these things. I just don't get what the difficulty is. One thing's for sure, apparently, when you're the one who's teaching him, you're removing some of the things that are getting in his way. That's plan C. And he does better, but we still don't have the information we need about the things that are getting in his way on the things we'd actually like him to be working on. We don't have that. We need that. And then we'll be in a much better position to answer the question, do you stop and just let him be what he is? I'm going to paraphrase that one. At what point do you decide that an unsolved problem just isn't going to get solved? Hmm. At what, let me paraphrase it again. At what point do you decide there's some things you're just not going to work on right now? Now. You can decide that now. At what point do you decide that an unsolved problem that your son is so far gone that you're not going to be able to come up with a plan for meeting him where he's at right now? I think the answer to that one's never. So in reading your email, I'm not ready. You might be, but you're the one who's been dealing with this all along. 
as the newcomer to this scenario, I don't think we're ready to stop and just let him be what he is. I do think that you're going to be exhausted perpetually until some of these problems get solved. And to solve them, we need info. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Please write back. Let us know what the unsolved problems were that you came up with, which ones you prioritized. And I'd like you to get on the Life in the Balance website to learn how to do it. And after you've got your list, you want to get into the Plan B in Action section on the website and learn how to do Plan B. And don't get discouraged if it, on one of the unsolved problems that you've selected as a high priority. And you can always call in if you want to. For the rest of you, including our emailer, that number is 347-994-2981. Call in. Let us know about your early attempts to try to solve one of the problems and especially to gather information. Without more explicit info about what's getting in your son's way on each unsolved problem, I don't know how we're going to solve them. Good? I hope that was helpful. Let's uh, move on to another one. Dr. Green, I'm at a crossroads once again with my child's school, which is uh, where my son has been through hell with the people who are not willing to recognize his lagging skills and are more willing to punish and make an example of him than they are to understand and help. He started off kindergarten with a bang this year, kicked the principal on the fourth day of school. Needless to say, we met with the teacher and most of the faculty and also his therapist to discuss ways to help him respond to stressful situations. I'm emphasizing those two words. This, along with putting him on medication, seemed to work for a while until his teacher started to get burned out because of several other problem children in her classroom. Now, after a small outburst yesterday, which he was able to recover and turn to class, the administration still decided he had to have a consequence for his behavior. Uh, I can't quite understand the next sentence. They sent him home. My husband and I were livid because sending him home will possibly set his behavior back, and he's come so far from where he was three years ago. They don't understand and want to put him in the same discipline box as every other child. I've read your book several times and have highlighted in it until it is almost completely yellow. I believe in your work and your position on difficult children because I live with one of these children every day. I'm not sure what you can do to help, but it feels like our entire school board in this county needs an overhaul on dealing with difficult kids. Thank you for listening, and thank you for offering to help people like us. Well, that's what I do. Um, as James Taylor sings, that's why I'm here. But let's not talk about me. Let's talk about your son. The reason I emphasize the words stressful situations and helping your son respond to them is because that makes it sound like, first of all, stressful situations is vague. And if, and I'm reading between the lines here, I could be wrong, if we are only trying to help your son respond to problems, now I'm replacing the word stressful situations 
with unsolved problems, when he's already stressed about them, then we are intervening almost exclusively in the heat of the moment. And we are not solving problems that way. We are just helping him learn how to respond to stress that way. We want to solve those problems proactively so that there is no more stress in response to them because they're solved. To do that, we're going to have to be very specific about what those stressful situations are. I'd rather call them unsolved problems, and we will be in much better shape if we identify in very specific terms what those problems are. And as with our first email, I would recommend that you use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems in the paperwork section on the Lives in the Balance website to do it so that you can not only identify what his unsolved problems are, but also identify what his lagging skills are so that you know what's getting in your son's way. The unsolved problems let you know when he's likely to get stressed. And here's the really cool part. You, you may be right. The county may need a complete overhaul. I know that you're primarily worried about your son, as it should be, but it may be that the whole place needs an overhaul. And here's our reference point for deciding whether a solution is going to work. Will that solution, in this case, sending your son home, but there's a bunch of others that we'll list in a moment, will sending your son's home, this is the litmus test, this is our reference point for any intervention, will sending your son home solve whatever problem it is that set in motion his challenging behavior in the first place? The answer, altogether now, no way um, giving him, de him a detention solve any of the problems that are setting in motion his challenging behavior. Once again, altogether, no way. How about um, keeping him in from recess? No way. How about, I don't know if they do this in the state that you're writing from, how about uh, hitting him on the butt with a piece of wood, which, just to throw a statistic at you, still happens 230,000 times every year in America's public schools. Will that solve any of the problems setting in motion the challenging behavior caused, solve any of the problems that are setting in motion his challenging behavior? The answer, no way. My question is, but, but here's the thing. I want you to make this a little easier for them. We've got to make a list of the unsolved problems. Then what I just did becomes doable because they're probably thinking mostly about his behavior. And they may even be relying on an algorithm, sometimes called a rubric, for what to do when certain behaviors are exhibited. We've got to help them focus on unsolved problems because then it becomes crystal clear that none of the punitive adversarial interventions that are applied to behavior will fix or solve any of the problems 
that are causing those behaviors. We've got to get those folks in problem-solving mode, and to get them there, we've got to be in problem-identification mode. How else can you help them? Hmm. It's a tough one. I don't know your situation as well as I might like, or at all, really. What I do know is that they're doing things that are not going to make things better. How could they? I wonder if there's someone in your building. I wonder if there's somebody in the building who you think could be the go-to person for trying to change things, not only for your son, but for everybody to whom those counterproductive, in my opinion, damaging interventions are being applied. See what they think you can do. Maybe you've talked to somebody like that already. I would recommend that you start with a book study. That book, Lost at School, that I wrote, sure is persuasive. And, of course, you're always welcome to email back and to call in. We do have a caller. I do want to read an email from one of our listeners uh, in response to one uh, to the first email. Uh, the CPS model helps everyone better understand the child. There is more than one way to get an education. Don't be afraid to take the non-traditional road if that's more productive. Very important to be responsive to the hand you've been dealt. Thank you to our listener. We have a caller. Callers always take up. Oh, wait, we have another email that I'm going to read before we go to our uh, caller. A moment here. I don't know why my internet is slow here. Uh, here's somebody responding to that second email that I just finished. By using the ELSIP, you are also solving the problems proactively, which is an important component of collaborative and proactive solutions. Might it be an idea to meet with his teacher, school psychologist, and principal to enlighten them about the model of care you are trying to implement? Thank you. Let's go to our caller from area code 620. If you want to call in, that number is 347-994-2981. There's only 22 minutes left in this program for the year 2013. Hello, caller. How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Hi there. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I am doing well. What's on your mind? Well, I'm calling with a follow-up. I've called several times. I have an explosive son who is now 11. We have um, been doing your model as a family since March earlier this year. Um, I read The Explosive Child last November and have come a long way in my parenting, and so has my son in in his life, and our family has really uh, improved a good bit. I'm calling today with a little bit of a follow-up and a question um, wanting your advice on how to initiate a conversation with him about a new little scenario that's come up. Um, he, I've talked before. He has a lot of issues with uh, competition, not coming in first, losing games, um, not scoring high enough on tests. And we've been working on his lagging skills and unsolved problems with that and one step at a time um, as proactively as possible. And we, we've 
gained ground a, a good bit. Um, every once in a while, things fall apart a bit, but I feel lots more confidence now in him and his ability to think things through and, most importantly, talk things through. But uh, a new little scenario has crept up that um, I need your help with. He, as um, a five-year-old child, um, because of his high reading ability and his math skills uh, way back then, the, the school that we were getting ready to start him with kindergarten and recommended that he skip to first grade. And so all along the way, uh, this little boy um, has been the youngest child in the class. And even though physically he fits right in with everybody, he's very aware of the fact that he is the youngest in his class. And now he's a sixth grader, but a ten-and-a-half-year-old ten sixth grader. And I can just see his frustration about this mounting. We've been hearing him complain about it for years. Um, and in the last few months, we've been letting him you know, talk out loud about what his concerns are about that. Um, recently, though, in the last two or three weeks, he has morphed his thinking into just making the decision that he is not 10 and a half, he's 11 and a half and preparing to have a 12th birthday, that he was actually born in 2002, not in 2003. And he is just now completely inflexible on this topic. Um, and I'm worried about how I'm going to talk him back into what's real. Any um, suggestions on how I start this conversation with him? Well, that's a fascinating scenario, first of all. Um, yeah. And thank you for calling in to give us a follow-up. This is proof that um, never a dull moment. Um, right. And that's, of course, true of parents of regular old kids, but way more true of parents of behaviorally challenging kids. Um, it's interesting. I would simply view this and, uh, as he has now come up with a solution to a problem that um, didn't, hasn't been solved in his mind. Um, and he's come up with a fascinating solution um, uh, some might call it the most primitive of defense mechanisms. If you don't like the age you're at or if the age you're at is causing you difficulties, deny that you are that age and come up with a new age. Right. Uh, truth is, I kind of like the idea given where I, my station in life, which is that I'm older than I want to be, I think I may start doing the exact same thing um, and start to refer to myself as being 10 years younger than I really am. But your question was, how do you talk with him about it? Um, and, but that is how I would view it. He's come up with a solution to the problem. He doesn't, there's something about being his age that isn't working for him, so he's decided that he's not that age. He's a different age. Let me ask you this. Why is this a problem? Well, right I know that now, may sound like a strange question, problem. but... No, and I've actually let my mind go there, too. I was like, this seems just like I should absolutely just step back and say, yeah, sure, you were born in 2002, whatever, great. You want to change your birthday, too? You know, and, and I, I, at first I was just a little flippant about it, but now 
I'm realizing, wait a minute, we're talking about a document that my mom and dad can't do anything to your birth certificate. We can't mm-hmm. physically go on to your birth certificate. And I, I fully think that within about the next six to ten months, this is going to go away. But if it doesn't, you know, we're just a couple of years away from his colleagues at school starting to drive. Um, you know, and I can just see down the road if he, if this continues and takes root for him, you know, um, I'm, I'm just worried down the road, I guess. It, that's my biggest concern. Um, and, and I really don't think that, that when he gets to be 13 and 14, he's still going to be in this place. But I think that when his when the rest of his classmates are in the point where they can get their learner's permit and do all that, these feelings might come back. And so I guess I'm trying to be preemptive also um, and not do anything now that I regret three, four years down the road. Yep, and I think that that, as always, I think that that's a great concern, makes good sense to me. I might add that you you could also be worried that he could get found out by peers even before, and then it would be very hard for him to make a comeback when he's been caught in that uh, mistruth. Um, And you you might also actually be concerned that he might actually start to believe it. Right. Which which is a nice way of your saying um, you might, believe that this thing that's not true is true. The define the problem step, of course, which is where you would put those concerns on the table. It sounds to me like the empathy step, the introduction to the empathy step, would begin with, and you throw in some words here, of course it always begins with, I've noticed that and ends with what's up. Um, So all we really have to do is figure out what it is that we've noticed and or what expectation it is that he's having difficulty meeting. And I think I'd go with I've no, something like, I've noticed that um, you've um, been telling people that you're a year older than, you're real, than you really are. What's up? Now, maybe you've done that already? I haven't done it with the empathy step. I've, I've just... I've, I've waited to talk to you. <laughs> um, I wasn't sure if saying it that bluntly was the best way to do it or if I needed to, well, I guess deep down inside I knew that it should just come out that way, but I, I want to do this right. I, he really responds to these Plan B proactive conversations so well that I didn't want to muck this one up, so I... Um, uh, yeah, I wanted the best possible wording to just get right at the core of the matter um, and not not mix in a bunch of my preconceived notions as to what's going on, because that's where I struggle with Plan B. Is, you, I add you a might lot throw of some theories in there? Yes. Okay, well, good for you to know that that's your, one of your Plan B tendencies. That, And, of course, you don't want to put your concerns on the table, in the empathy step. So you'll want to be careful there. It's um, very common for parents to be much clearer about what their concerns are, if they're clear about what their concerns are. Sometimes parents head straight for the solutions. Um, We're not going to do that either. In the empathy step, we are just trying to introduce the unsolved problem in a way that gives us the greatest likelihood of having your son start to tell you about it. 
And um, so your concerns wouldn't increase the likelihood that he'd tell you about it. Your theories wouldn't increase the likelihood that he'd tell you about it. So I think you want to just go with what you're seeing. And if I wanted to make it a little bit more neutral, what age is he telling people he is again? He's saying he's 11. I've noticed that you're telling people that you're 11. What's up? And that's pretty neutral. Yep. Is there... Now, before we go on to our next caller, because we do have one more person holding on here from area code 914, but is there something about introducing it that way that's giving you pause? I've noticed that you've been telling people that you're 11 years old which, of course, is a behavior. I would, that wouldn't trouble me too much on that one. Um, what's up? Yeah. Anything about that what's one? That? That... No, that sounds good. And I, um, that was one of the empathy step sentences that I had come up with, um, but I, didn't, I, I wanted to just kind of make sure that that would be good. The flip side of it is that define the problem from my end, um, I'm I'm wanting to be sure that I know exactly what it is that I have a problem with here, and I think what you mentioned earlier that it's just I'm that I'm worried that he's not being completely honest, and that and, it could come back to haunt him. Yeah, it is. And that he doesn't work still... well with with those kinds of concerns. When I mentioned something about well, down the road it's it could be this, he checks out when I mention things like that. So I'm going to have to really be clear with figuring out how. Yeah. Um, you can, I mean, there's, there are concerns that you have about the here and now, not about when he gets his driver's license. Um, here's the cool part about you being one of our favorite callers who calls in with some regularity. You can call us back and tell, you how, to tell us how, how it went. Yeah, I will. Good. Have a happy holiday. You too. Thank Let you us... so much. You bet. Bye. Let's move quickly to area code 914. We've got about 10 minutes left. Let's see if we can help. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I am good. Sounds like you're in your car on your cell phone. I am. Is that okay? Fine by me. Just drive carefully. I think um, from where you're calling from, you got some snow yesterday, too. But go ahead. I'm good. I'm good. You know, my not quite sure that my call, this call in 10 minutes can help overgoing through at this point. Um, I have a son who is in the, we're in the process right now of kind of figuring out what's going on with him. He's, um, he's an identical twin. His identical twin was recently diagnosed with ADHD and put on Adderall. He... Um, also was put on Adderall and diagnosed with ADHD, but had the opposite effect on him. He always had some raging behavior, and now it got worse. Um, we saw a new psychiatrist, a new psychiatrist had um, kind of said, let's work on cognitive behavioral therapy, and we'll move forward, and we'll wait and see. Well, waiting and seeing has been very difficult because he goes into five-hour tantrum, raging and cursing and yelling and screaming and can't get out of it. Every little thing is upsetting to him every little thing is we're bad people we're horrible parents so we're in the process of trying to figure out what's going on and after a five-hour rage the next day and try to have a conversation and, and use some of your techniques 
Um, you know, I noticed you were very upset yesterday. What's up? And nothing comes out of his mouth. I don't know. My mind makes me do it. And that's pretty much it. And I think I'm trying to solve too big of a um, problem here with your kind of technique, um, trying to figure out what's up and why he got to the point where he got um, in that one particular moment that went on for five hours. So my question really is, is it's too big of a problem to solve right now with your plan? Uh, I'll, give, I'll give you my quick answer. I don't know. And here's, right. here's what I mean. You don't really want to be talking with him about getting upset. Right. You want to be, be talking with him about what got him upset in the first place. Right. Now, you might say, and let, first of all, let me empathize, a five-hour tantrum does not sound like fun. No. <laughs> no. And if that is that a much, <laughs> if that's not if that's more intense and more prolonged than you're accustomed to, then you right. might also want to let the person who's prescribing the medication know that because right. nothing with regard to that specific medication, and I don't dispense medical advice on this program or anywhere else, right. anyways. But. Um, you may want to contact them and let them know because some medications can, well, the truth is every medication has the potential right. well, to make things worse. On, he's not on any medication at all. So he was and was taken off of it. Got it. So we can't attribute the five hours to the medication. No, no. Okay. <laughs> no, you can't. My question is, do you have any sense of what set that big one in motion in the first place? Um, I attribute it to anxiety. He was in a performance. He break dances. <laughs> Learned how to break dance. He was in a performance. And I think he, he did say he was bored throughout the whole thing. He, I think, was very anxious about it. I think it, that might have set him off. I'm not 100% sure. Um, he also, I think, expected a bigger kind of... Um, you know, reward, not reward, but gift afterwards. He gave him some flowers and he complained, and the next thing you know, within five minutes on the walk to the car, we're awful people, you know, we're cursing at us, screaming at us, yelling at us, and it went from there. And you think that may have been over, you, you giving him flowers? I have honestly no idea. That's I mean, I would never have expected him to have that kind of reaction after what we thought was a, a really great date for him, you know, or it was meant to be a really great date for him. He worked really hard on something, and it kind of it took, it went in a horrible direction. Very difficult. All right. So here's the deal. You may never know what set that one in motion. Right. You may never know, and it sounds like, he wasn't forthcoming with much information about it himself, right? Right. But here's the deal. Since we need to get you out of the habit of talking with him about behavior, let's, let's also try to get you out of the habit of talking about um, specific incidents of him getting upset. And I know how badly you must want to talk with him about this specific one. It sounds like it was a biggie. Mm-hmm. But I think I think you're going to be in much better shape 
if you use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems on the Lives in a Balance website right. to identify specific unsolved problems that are setting in motion his challenging episodes. And so getting upset would be would not make for a great unsolved problem. It's a behavior. It's not specific enough. Anxiety would not make for a very good unsolved problem. It's, it's not specific enough. It's too global. We're looking for the specific expectations he's having difficulty meeting. Um, those we can talk with him about, and I'm betting he will be much more informative about those than he will be about a, this particular specific incident of getting upset. Now, some kids are informative about a specific incident of getting upset. He wasn't. You may not get much out of this one, but I think you greatly increase the likelihood that you'll get the kind of information you're looking for if you have a list of unsolved problems and decide which ones are your top priorities and talk with him about those. I think that puts you in much better shape to actually have him start talking. Right. Right, that makes sense. I mean, there's some things, little things that we've had, I've worked with him on, and that would be his language. He's a lot of bad language, you know, moments where he's not supposed to. And we've talked about it, and, you know, I've voiced my concerns, and he, you know, we've got kind of back and forth with it, and he definitely understands it to the point where he will use a bad word and say, oh, Mommy, I'm so sorry. You know, it, it gets thinking about kind of the behavior, um, and some of the things that we have problems with and that, you know, he seems to understand kind of that type of thing. But I feel like with the overall temper tantrums and the, and the bigger picture, there's a much bigger picture there than there is just one little thing. Well, what I would translate that to mean is there are many unsolved problems that are setting him off and, quite right. frankly, that could cause him to swear. We're still looking for very specific unsolved problems. Let me um, invite you to do something. You ready? Okay. Yes. Um, if you want to make a list of unsolved problems um, that you think are setting in motion challenging episodes in your son and send them to me, okay. I'll go over them with you, uh, over them on the radio, on the, sh- on the air, the next time... And it won't be the next time because that's going to be the parent panel. But it would be okay. on January January 13th. I hate to make you wait that long, and I might actually respond back to you by email before then. But it would give okay. not only you but also other listeners a chance to hear how important it is to transform those unsolved problems from the global to the specific. Mm-hmm. So if, if you want to send some in, I would be delighted to take a crack at helping you make them more specific. Okay, great. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks for calling in, and have a nice holiday. Thank you. You bet. So we've got about a minute and a half left here. Let me read some people who are listening to the program and yeah, call, uh, emailing in. Uh, I think this is for either the first or second caller. When you have a challenging child, it's important to keep your mind in the present with an eye in the future. The important good foundation that the parent has provided is there within the child, and 
fascinating ideas that the child has frequently go away with time, but of course, best to address the problem in plan B. And here's another one for the second caller. Also, you got to use the ALSIP to prioritize the unsolved problems. You don't want to work on them all at once. Good reminders from our listeners. Um, this is to remind you that we are not going to have a program on December 23rd or December 30th. I want to wa- wish everybody who's in our listening audience a very happy holiday. If you're celebrating anything this time of year, if you're not celebrating anything this time of year, I hope you just have a fun three weeks until we're back on the air again. Um, be back on January 6th with another Parents Panel. Talk to you then. Take care.